Welcome to the POV Hamilton podcast, where we're talking to innovators, educators, leaders, and builders across the Steel City. We have the most diversified economy in Canada, and there are hundreds of stories waiting to be told of the people, the companies, and the organizations making it happen. Here's whose point of view you'll be listening to today. My name is Chris Buttonham. I was the founder of a company called Obi, which was uh, recently acquired by a company called Lessonly uh, last year. And uh, I am now a senior product manager at a company called Seismic because six weeks after Lessonly acquired Obi, Seismic acquired Lessonly. So that's a little bit about what I do today. And um, I am from Hamilton, Ontario and spent um, uh, many years growing up there and, and uh, graduated from McMaster University. The OB journey is, uh, is, a, is a funny one, a long, a long journey like most entrepreneurs go through. OB helps um, employees within organizations find the answers to their common questions faster. Um, so in particular, we work more with client-facing teams, so folks in sales and support, and we help them access things like FAQs or collateral, any documentation they might need to support customers or close deals. And uh, Obi is still alive and kicking. Uh, it's now uh, just re been rebranded re to Lessonly Knowledge, so we're still working on that product within the greater seismic organization. The idea came about through uh, me and one of our co-founders, Ravinda. We were working at an organization where um, when we joined, we kind of uh, recognized that it was difficult to find the answers to the things that we needed. And the solution at the time was just to pick up the phone and call one another to get that answer, which is obviously um, time consuming and creates a lot of context switching in everyone's day. So we fell in love with that problem, really. Um, this was back in 2013, 2014. Uh, shortly thereafter, we both quit our jobs and, and decided we were going to start a company. And originally, it was all centered around this concept of employee onboarding. So newcomers joining organizations, more of like an HR tech approach uh, to solving this problem. Um, and after kind of trying our hand at that for a while and getting lost in some of the market saturation of those types of tools, we, we pivoted um, at the end of 2016 going into 2017 into what we now know is as Obi. And it was more of a, a knowledge tool um, and the way we kind of differentiated and still differentiate to this day is uh, we take the knowledge that organizations already have, we centralize those silos into one uh, searchable single source of truth. Um, and so we do that through a really innovative Slack integration and uh, a browser extension that allows these client facing folks, like I mentioned, to access the information they need uh, right within the flow of their work. So they don't have to switch context. They don't have to go out into the other apps um, that the competitive tools would ask them to go into. They can get the information they need where they already work. So when we, when we started the company, um, the first public brand we used was actually OneBase. Um, and unfortunately, due to, due to some legal concerns, we had to change that name. Um, and so we pivoted to the name Tacit, which is, is just a derivative of, of Tacit knowledge, which is knowledge that's difficult to transfer. That remained our, um, our legal name until we, were, until we were required, but we operated as Obi. And Obi was... Um, 
during the one base era, our mascot and uh, my co-founder and I, Alex, we kind of fell in love with this idea of having a mascot for software. Um, we kind of stole the idea uh, from a product called Trello, a project management tool that you may have heard of. And they had a mascot called Taco and Taco was a, uh, like an animated Husky. And it was the, the founder of, of Trello's dog. <clears throat> and so we thought, well, what, what could be a really unique character that could be the, the sort of face of our brand? And we thought because of our Canadian roots, why don't we use a beaver? No one's, no one's going to um, uh, tread those waters. So, so we decided we were going to, and was probably one of the best things we did from a marketing perspective. Everyone seemed to really gravitate towards Obi and, and the Obi character. And then when we created our, our Slack integration, we, we kind of took that character into the product because it was very much a conversational interface where you could, you could talk to the product. You could ask Obi questions rather than kind of interface with software like you normally would. And so the, the character came in handy um, and, and Obi's sassy um, personality st stood out uh, through those conversational interfaces. I classify myself as kind of a born and bred entrepreneur. It's like the only gear that I personally have. And that doesn't mean that you're an expert in building a business. Um, and so I came across the Innovation Factory actually when they hosted um, this Google uh, for Entrepreneurs Startup Weekend, uh, I think it was back in 2014. And I was tinkering around with a, a business that I had started um, earlier, kind of like a digital agency at the time. And I was trying to figure out, you know, what, what my long-term plan was, what I was gonna sink my teeth into. And the Innovation Factory kind of presented itself as a resource um, for entrepreneurs and, and folks that are interested in startups. And I had no idea what, what I was doing. And the foundation was really helpful getting to, um, I remember some of the earliest conversations, like I spoke with uh, Mark director, I think he's still at Nix now, but he was working at innovation factory at the time. And we were doing like business model canvas exercises with him um, things like that in the early stages, particularly if you've not started a company before are super helpful. And then once you become more mature, um, and you're going and you're going to market, it's connecting with like executives and residents. Like I met some incredible people over the years. Um, obviously Dave Carter having actually built a company in this space awareness. Um, he was a, very valuable resource to us, um, just contextually. But then, you know, I have lifelong mentors like Ellie Bowen, who is in, I don't know if she's considered an EIR, but she was a mentor at IF. Shan McGrail was an EIR um, at, um, at IF while I was there. And I met with Shan every month for years. Um, just getting real life experience from her and bouncing our current challenges off of the people that have done it um, while we were doing it. And those things that were really, really helpful for us. At the time, um, they would pair us with EIRs. I'm thinking like Tom, who is a, a sales EIR, who 
that was really relevant at the time. So they were working with us constantly to understand our challenges in the moment. And then Paris was somebody like Marie, when we were going to market, we were, we were very much a product led uh, organization. And so using her for, as a marketing resource was really helpful, but all of that was coordinated by client services at innovation factory. And so keeping on top of that um, was really helpful for us before uh, Obi was even a company. The first thing I did to recruit uh, other co-founders was innovation night, which doesn't exist anymore, but that was basically a pitch night. Um, I still have pictures from that evening. Cause it was like the conception of this like project that we were working on and we did elevate. Um, that was really good. The pitch, the, the pitches, and the competitions were really good because that's stuff that you can take into not only the current venture, but any other venture and just life. Like those things are really good skills to have. We did Lion's Lair twice, I think, um, because I don't think we made it into the top 10 the first time around. And so all of those things really, I think, trained us as individuals and really helped us as individuals. We never won anything. <laughs> so uh, I can't say that like there was... Uh, exorbitant amount of money that we took away and invested into things, but definitely the experience and going through those, um, those exercises were really helpful for us. Entrepreneurs, first time founders, uh, they have to be very careful with a resource like innovation factory. And this isn't a jab at innovation factory. It's any resource like this, where you're at that stage of the game, you're very much a sponge and you can run into the too many cooks in the kitchen problem where we've got a lot of opinions. Uh, it stifles action and it can, can confuse you. Um, that said, if used correctly, these, these resources can be invaluable to um, first time founders and, and, um, and young entrepreneurs who are a trying to validate their idea and not build a product in a, a silo and, and down a waterfall where they haven't spoken to a prospective customer yet. Like, that's a huge lesson learned that you don't, you don't need to fall into that trap. You can, you can lean on uh, resources that um, something like IF can provide you to, to not make that mistake. And then having folks that can make introductions for you um, to potential customers, potential uh, vendors and partners, that's hugely valuable gaining experience and learning from these folks is their own careers on how to optimize what you're building um, is really valuable. And then, like I said, I think one of the most valuable things, it's very specific and tactical, but being able to speak in public and understanding how to talk about your product, talk about your company and do that with confidence is something particularly for a first time founder um, of, of a venture back startup or, um, you know, technology company, that's a really, really important thing that you're going to need to have. And, and, and a resource like innovation factory can be really helpful with. When we, we came up with this idea to basically make company knowledge more accessible where you work, it was, uh, the idea that actually got us into a startup accelerator program called 500 startups. And so this was um, January, 2017, uh, myself and the team, we moved to San Francisco, California for about six months. And that was our first big break. We raised a little bit of money from um, that program and, and some additional angel investors. And we had uh, amassed thousands of teams who were using OB at the time. And 
in that stage, we were a freemium product. And so um, that's why I'm using the users and teams metric there. And that really helped us to build a world-class product. But after that program was over and the bank account was getting a little thin, we realized that we had to figure out how to monetize. And we were really riding the coattails of um, this bot technology was really hot at the time and it started to simmer. And so um, that was a really tough time for us. We, um, we had lost some teammates because they just couldn't afford to keep going. And we were really left by the end of 2018 with me and, and my co-founder, Alex. And we shut off the free version. We come up with a business model that we thought would work based on the feedback that we had. The very few customers that had paid us some for our early, um, early access of a paid product that we had. And things kind of started working finally. Um, it was like darkest before the dawn type of thing. And then through the end of 2018 into 2019, uh, we really were growing um, quite considerably and getting people to pay for the product. The end of 2019, we raised a little bit more money. And so total, a little under a million dollars we raised. Um, and, and revenue was going really well. We started to hire again. So we brought on a few more team members. We were four full-time and, and a few contractors. So we always remained lean for the amount of customers and the, and the product that we had. It was, it's kind of um, uh, not like other companies at our stage. We were a lot smaller um, and that, that worked in our advantage. But then the pandemic hit and everybody kind of just stopped buying software period, uh, particularly software like ours in the kind of productivity space where it was, you could make the case that it was a nice to have, need to have, it was kind of in between that thing. And even though we had hit product market fit, we were, we were strugg struggling. Fast forward six months, it was kind of a delayed reaction. Everyone now was working from home and knowledge was even more siloed within organizations. And Obi was just flying off the shelves. And so we were going to raise another round of financing and really take this to the next level. And then we were approached by uh, Connor and Max, the founders of Lessonly, and they kind of shared their vision and it was very, very much aligned with ours. And so rather than scaling up on our own, we decided to scale up with them and we ended up selling the company. Um, and like I said, it, it was a, it was an acquisition where they really wanted our product and our technology and our customers. It wasn't just, they wanted the team. And so we're still working on that technology today, um, but it was a really, really great outcome for all of us uh, as a team, all of our investors uh, and early teammates who, who couldn't make it as far as us, everyone really did well with, with the acquisition. So it's been a fun and exciting and sometimes taxing journey. When, when we started the company, everything was pie in the sky. We had no idea what we were doing. What I will say is something I learned and something I would share with younger entrepreneurs and first-time founders is that you really need to fall in love with the problem. That's what we did. And so when, when I talked about Alex and I kind of in the darkest days, it was just us two, no money in the bank, trying to figure out how to monetize our, our product what kept us getting up every morning was just the love for the problem. And so when we think ahead of like, what did we want out of the company? We just really wanted to build a product that people loved. And I think that's 
ultimately what gave us a good outcome. You know, we had fantasies just like any other entrepreneur would get acquired, go IPO, you know, uh, build a really, really big company. All of these things were definitely, um, you know, visions we had, but we never had a specific outcome in mind. And I think, again, that helped us achieve a positive outcome because even when we were in talks and due diligence of being acquired, it didn't need to happen. We were really happy with what we had built. We were successful uh, and we just enjoyed what we did. If you're only a little bit excited about something, you're not going to be able to withstand all of the crap that's thrown at you um, as an entrepreneur, as a founder of a startup. And so it's really, really falling in love with uh, the thing that you're working on. And it's the problem. It's not the product or the technology because that's going to change. <laughs> um, it is going to change. And so that's really my big um, piece of advice. I would also say um, just understanding what you're getting into. One of the things I didn't did not realize was the uh, level of people management that is involved, even with a small, you know, we were always relatively small, um, a small company, but managing people is very, very difficult. And it becomes your full-time job when you're the founder and or CEO of a, of a startup. And that um, isn't something for everyone. And so I would say you want to look around um, and try and recruit people to you, your team hopefully have a founder or two that complements your strengths and weaknesses. And so you really have um, a diverse background in each of the founders that can bring something different to the table because um, I mean, that's, that's what I, I was very fortunate. That's what we had. Um, there were three founders and um, particularly Alex and I just complement each other really well. He built the product. I sold the product and our kind of personalities were indicative of those roles. And so that's something that I would, I would really press home. At the moment, we're really integrating the technology we built with Obi into this concept of just-in-time enablement. So um, Seismic, the company that purchased Lessonly, which purchased us, they are in the sales enablement space. And they're basically a content management system for sellers um, to access things they need to close deals. Um, and, and so we're bringing our technology in as, as a differentiator, something that they don't have in their, in their current stack to help sellers find this thing, things they need faster, uh, create confidence in, in the collateral and the answers that they're delivering to prospects and customers. And so we're following that, uh, following that journey down and, and really helping the organization to integrate our technology. Um, but that said, uh, I am an entrepreneur through and through, and I will definitely, uh, I will definitely be looking to start another company um, uh, sometime uh, in, in the not so distant future, but I'm enjoying this season now and providing value and also learning a ton from working within a much larger organization than, uh, than what we're used to in the whole startup world. Uh, being a very small company and really owning your processes, owning most functions in your, in your company, 
um, as individuals is a huge change to now working for a company that's over 1300 employees globally. It's a huge change. Like I said, I'm enjoying learning a lot about the differences in that. And I think I have a bit of a unique perspective where I never really had a real job. <laughs> I graduated from university and I knew I was just going to build a company uh, through hell or high water. And I did that. And so I'm now gainfully employed by way of acquisition, not by way of, you know, submitting my resume. And so I'm, a lot of people um, will work for a company before they start their own company and they get that perspective, which gives them some of the acumen to, to do those things, but I'm seeing it in the reverse and it's, it's really eye-opening. And I, I recommend anyone who's looking to start a company to maybe see that through the lens of another organization first, if you're not already doing that. If you're an entrepreneur looking to start a company, definitely leverage the resources at your disposal in your ecosystem. If you're listening to this podcast, you're likely somewhere in the, the Hamilton area. So lean on a resource like Innovation Factory, even if it's just to shake those pitch legs and, and work on how to speak about your product in public and get some advice from some people that have gone through it. That's invaluable. And I would just say to that point, perhaps counter to that point is my, <laughs> if I had like a PSA that I give in anything that I share, it's entrepreneurship is not for everybody. And while there are really great resources, um, like Innovation Factory for entrepreneurs and people building businesses, um, it's okay to not build a business. <laughs> it's a very lonely and difficult profession, if, if you can call it that. And uh, you really, you really have to have that gear. And so maybe you are better suited to be an, you know, uh, a partner or uh, a number two or a number three, or just an employee. None of that is derogatory. It is all, it is all good. It, whatever, like I said, whatever makes you happy, I think at the end of the day and entrepreneurship um, is, has been in this moment for a while where people think it's really sexy and it's being promoted uh, but it's really not for everyone. Um, I really think it's it's it, it's a derivative of innate features that certain people have and certain people don't, and that's neither right or wrong. But um, follow, I think, follow what your strengths are and double down on those. Don't try and you know um, uh, lean into something that just isn't in you um, because it's hot or it's sexy at the moment. So that's all I would say. So you can go to lessonly.com slash knowledge. Uh, it's the current home of Lessonly Knowledge, just formerly OB. Uh, and I love chatting with entrepreneurs and uh, young innovators. So uh, you can email me, chris at buttonham.com. And I'm happy to uh, to chat. I, I often um, chat with young entrepreneurs building the next thing. So I'm super happy to share what I've gone through and, and try and uh, keep the advice at bay. Just, just talk through the, the challenges I made in hopes that uh, you don't have to make them too. Thanks for listening. Make sure you're subscribed so you never miss an episode. And please consider rating and reviewing as it helps others to find the show. For more information or to listen to past episodes, go to povhamilton.com.